Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Loki. I'm Alex. I'm Justin, and I promise you, this will make sense. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Loki Season 2, Episode 4, The Heart of the TVA. So uh, if you haven't seen it yet on Disney+, Plus, go check it out because we're going to spoil it. But picking up off of the end of the last episode, Victor Timely comes to the TVA, tries to help them fix their doohickey with his doohickey so they can mm. put that doohickey in another doohickey and then shoot it into an entirely different doohickey. It's very cool and very exciting throughout the episode. Makes total sense. But unfortunately, he gets noodled. A thing yeah. we knew was coming and we know all about. Noodled. Another Kang down. <laughs> Bring on the next Kang. Yeah. Also, Loki dead. Also, everybody else dead. End of series. The end. Now, we're being glib here up front. We'll talk about some stuff we liked, I think. I hope. I mean, there were some things Let's that I see. liked in the episode that I'll try to stretch and throw out there somewhere. But you weren't here the last episode. We did talk about this on our live show a little bit. But I wanted to get your bead now two episodes in on Jonathan Major's performance as Victor mm. Timely. Not Jonathan Major as the person. We don't yeah, need we're to not talking about that right now. Yeah. But Pete and I went pretty hard on him on the last episode. I think Pete used the phrase nails on a chalkboard. Um, and he loves everything. He loves everything. I was shocked, to be honest with you, yeah. because I was like, and knowing Pete, he's going to be like, no, stay away from Marvel, my beautiful little baby. But no, he really hated it. I also really hated it. Now that we're two episodes in, how are you feeling about it, Justin? I'm just happy to say it's timely time because this guy is crushing it. I love the way he talks slowly. It's just more time. That's the thing with this show. It's about time. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, at a place called the TVA, they're constantly stressed about time. The one thing they have control of. Oh, boy. Uh, but that's the power of uh, Jonathan Major's performance as Victor Timely. He slows down time by talking in a way that makes everyone insane. Uh, so in that way, he truly is a master of everybody's time because he's time consuming and boring. I I don't think this is necessarily possible, but to the point that you're making here, some of the stuff that he was doing was a little more palatable. I thought this episode, this episode, that, yes, I thought the scene by the hot cocoa machine unnecessary, but cute, maybe ish. Well, in and that's what – I mean, I said this on the live show a little bit when asked the question, but I feel like his choices as Victor Timely are like – he's trying to make uh, some capital A actor choices. And you know he's pushing back against the cliche of like a con man being a fast-talking uh, scam artist. So instead he's a slow-talking maybe genius it seems like. But – Last episode, he was like, this guy's a liar. He's just cheating out of a book, classic Wizard of Oz type character. Mm -hmm. This episode, he's like, nope, I am a genius. I have the prototype of a nonsense gadget that you definitely need, and I'm good at it. But I will say, like, the scene where he is at the Cocoa Machine is unnecessary, but maybe the most interesting scene because it's just characters doing something and mm -hmm. being themselves as opposed to... So many other pieces of this episode. We can talk about that more later. But I do think this 
as an acting choice is strange. And it feels like it's a combination of sort of trying to be not cliche. And also since he's such the, the big takeaway from season one and season two, he was given the power to sort of do whatever he wants without a lot of questioning, I would guess. And so that's why you get a performance from in both these episodes that feels stilted and sort of purposefully strange as opposed mm-hmm. to creating a character that I think we could get excited about. It's also, and I think several characters point this out and then do nothing about it during the episode. I thought it was interesting to hear you say that he is dragging down the pace because overall this episode, when they're like, we have mere seconds to live before this loom explodes and takes out the entire TVA Everybody's just wandered around most of the episode and like hanging out in rooms and there's no like, yeah. there's no push. There's no drive to anything that's going on. Everybody's just like chilling for the most part. Well, I mean, this is a, I, I agree with you, but it's because all of their tasks are nonsense. They're mm-hmm. all like MacGuffins that aren't really about anything where they're like, we have to go to this. We have to go do that. Everyone's behaving arbitrarily. Like, I'm just a couple things like Sylvie's just like super chill for a bunch of this episode when like and last episode and she was just like bloodthirsty and like I will never work there. And then she's just like hanging with the gang. Uh, so that feels very strange. They're like at the end in the huge culminating moment, they're like, let's send Victor out the villain like the, the like, human, what? even more than that, the human, like you have two gods on hand who clearly have more strength than everybody else. Send them out. They're more durable. They've just been given magic. Right. Back at the TVA. So that was all nonsensical. And then the Loki uh, trimming Loki with no explanation and no like he literally says this will make sense. I promise you this will make sense. I was like. Don't fucking bullshit me, dog. <laughs> Don't you tell me it doesn't make sense. Make make it make sense. It's not enough to give us like a, a mystery when this show is like 50 mysteries in every direction that aren't mm-hmm. – there's no path forward. It's just a wash. I think part of the problem – I don't know them. I'm sure they're perfectly pleasant guys and gals and whatever – is the direction here. The direction – seems lazy to me, both in terms of the pace and in terms of the way things are being blocked. We were talking about this, not to keep taking to outside conversations, but we were talking about this a little bit on the Patreon Slack. I didn't bring this up in the last episode, but that whole chase scene in the previous episode, Mm -hmm. even that it was supposed to be the music from Natalie Holt was indicating old-timey chase scene, which is a lot of like sticky stuff of people running by and just missing each other and hiding and popping out. And I couldn't help but think watching that, that season one Loki would have done that and leaned into that. Yeah. And instead we had all these more naturalistic angles and handheld camera work that plays against the whole drive of that scene. It destroys the pace. Similarly here, I, I think it was the same kind of thing with the stuff you were calling out specifically the pruning scene where it felt to be like keep it keep it focused on the Loki that we're following, you yeah. know. So it's a surprise, or keep it focused on Sylvie in the elevator or something like that. 
She opens it up, sees Loki there, and we're like, oh, great, it's Loki. And then Loki gets pruned. That's the moment you realize, oh, we've looped back to the thing from the first episode. That's what caused Sylvie to get here in the first place. But the way that they filmed it fed it to you as the audience too much because they had to show us the scenes from before. But add in this that when Loki was running through those scenes in the first episode – there were people panicked all over the place. There's alarms blaring. There's people running by. Here, the TVA seemed empty. Like, there was nobody yeah. there. And uh, Except I, for one scene where they show they show a million other towers, a couple of people running by. It was like, what are they doing for work? Isn't this right. an important task, the loom? How yeah. many looms are there? Just the one, right? And yeah. it's just a tiny little thing. I also, and maybe this is me just being stupid or missing something, but I do not understand the purpose of the loom given this season. So the way that it seems to me visually is that what the loom does is it takes multiple timelines and threads them together into one timeline or bunched together timelines. Maybe it's like a cord. It's creating a cord, a rope instead or something like that. Well, and but let's just stop right there because like – I want to know what that is. And and the way they were explaining it in this scene where I was like, I was like, what is this? Like Obi just out there, Kihu Kwan just out there trying hard to make it happen. But they're like, we have to take the thing and make the, the the machine's not big enough to face the time threads. I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Also, the machine is just there. Like, it's not that big. The TVA is huge. The machine is just a little part of it. I was like, how is this thing threading all time through it? Like, and fine, if you, you could probably explain it away with perception, blah, blah, blah. But then I want to feel like my perception is messed up or something to make it just seem like they're not running well, around a construction site. It also seems antithetical to what we've already been shown about the sacred timeline and everything. Like the way that it was depicted in the first season, there was the sacred timeline and that as soon as he who remains was killed, he wasn't able to hold it back anymore. And it started to split and branch out into a multiverse. We've now seen that plenty of times, not just in Loki. We've seen it in what if we even saw it a little bit. They visually referenced it across the spider verse as well. So this is a visual reference they use. And now they're like, no, no, this is how it actually looks is like this loom thing that you never really heard about before, but that's the most important thing of all time. Yeah. It's weird. The other part of it that I'd throw out there is the thrust of the season now seems to be, wait, should we let the multiverse grow and go crazy rather than killing people and destroying timelines? Is that something we should do? Instead, they seem to be protecting the loom, which takes all timelines and moves them into the sacred timeline. So yeah, why are they protecting that when that's the whole point of the thing that they're saying, like, we don't want that anymore? Well, and is it that Loom is like trimming people on a large scale? I do Trimming timelines? That's what I, I, I'm that's saying. That's what it, it looks it like. It, it certainly looks like it's taking something wild and thorny and making it one little tight umbilical cord of timeline. But that's, I, I'm like, aren't, isn't that the same thing as just individually pruning mm-hmm. people? There's no better point to the weird sloppiness of the season than, and I'll give it a positive here, Obi being like, hey, I didn't have a lot of time to make a model, and then pulling out a very complicated model. Very fun bit. That's great. But him describing the thing and being like, okay, what we got to do is you got to put on this suit, walk out here, 
put the thing in this thing and then turn it around and then we're going to harpoon the loom to make it a little bigger that literally nobody was like, that's the thing we already did <laughs> is yeah. insane to me. Insane. Well, and, and let me also say like, there are plenty of elements here that could make for an interesting season. Like the idea that this is all complicated and nonsense is could potentially be very funny. If yeah. Loki was there being like, what? And like in calling it out and being like, let's get rid of this nonsense. I'm frustrated by this. I want to play. I'm a trickster. I want to like screw around or something. Instead, Loki ends up being the least interesting character because he's like the janitor. This whole mm-hmm. season slash maybe series is like, hey, here's the exposition for a future thing we're going to be doing in the Marvel Universe. Makes it seem very unnecessary. And then Loki's the one that has to be like, great. What? So what do we have to do? And I'm like, what? You're buying into this so hard? It's crazy nonsense. And you're the one we came here to see. Yeah. I, I, this gets back to something that I've been saying a lot here with the season of Loki in particular is I think the first season did such a good job of pushing Loki's character forward, making sure he's front and center. Even when he's supporting people, all of the other characters come out of him. I don't understand how any of these characters or situations relate to the character Loki at all. But let's be generous for a second, because we do get a big scene here with Loki and Sylvie when they're in the pie room and they're talking Mm -hmm. about Sylvie's like, I don't know what to do. And Loki says, you know, the uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but like it's the easiest thing in the world is to destroy things. The harder thing is to stay and he says, you can't just give people free will and then walk away from it. She says, you're playing God. And he says, we are gods, which is you know a nice, clever turn of phrase. Fun, yeah. But to your point, if we are being generous, what what is Loki's character at this point? What is his character arc? What are they trying to say about him? What does he do? Well, it, it strikes me that they don't. They started a little bit in the first couple episodes where like, is he good or bad? Mm-hmm. Which is something we've already sort of heard about Loki. So I feel like we've been there, but it does seem like what they're maybe getting to. But then we have all this business. And then I think at the end of this season, they're going to be like back to the question of like, he has to choose between being good or bad. And maybe that's going to involve letting Kang live or somehow reinventing time in a way where he gets more of a moral choice. Mm-hmm. is where I'm guessing, but they're just not running these characters, especially Loki, our main characters, life and decisions through every episode. We're caught in on so much junk. And it strikes me that maybe they had a script that had more of that. And it was like, ah, we got to explain all this stuff. We don't have time to do the character stuff. And I'm like, that's what you should be doing most of all. Cause there's so much junk here that we could use less junk. Is there, it might also have been a budget or production schedule thing just because, not to keep going back to the first season, but every episode was about widening out the world that we were exploring. Like, not just the TVA, but exploring different planets, exploring what it means for He Who Remains, who Sylvie is, what her origin is. We got more and more information every episode as it got bigger and bigger. Here, again, there. I think there's no better example of this that they're like, I, I wandered around a bunch and I ended up in the pie room again, where it's like, okay, yeah. you have a certain amount of sets and you have to keep using that sets and it's all based around the TVA, a place that legitimately I don't really care about at all. Like, I care about Loki, I care about Sylvie and Mobius, 
Um, I like some of these other characters. Obi is very fun. Um, I want the best for Casey, Hunter B-15. They're all good. But, nice, yeah. But it's just centered around this thing that I don't have an emotional connection to, and that's making it tough to connect to the show. Well, and I don't even mind – I mind that less because – the Pyram seems to be where characters go to say their truths. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I, I want to like see that. them in the Pyram once an episode then and make that a place, make mm-hmm. that an important place because the characters give meaning to the place. Like that's why like the TVA looks nice and, you know, we get the, some an interesting stuff, some interesting stuff with Victor Timely where he sees his face and like that's cool. He walks in, he's like, look, I'm the thing I'm trying to be here. It's just we don't ever get to feel how that feels for him. He's just like pushed around through a bunch of nonsense. And he turns out he's not a con man. He is a genius because he has a thing that can fix all of time. And then he's sort of trying to con Miss Minutes and uh, Renslayer. And he's being very bad at that. I'm like, what is he? Now he's a genius who's bad at conning before he's a con man who's bad at being a genius. I also don't know if we want to jump over to Renslayer and Miss Minutes. We get this big revelation at the beginning of the episode or kind of supposed to be big revelation that Ravona was the general in He Who Remains Army. She was the one who did everything. And then he wiped her mind and put her in the TVA, which... I understand bums her out, but also she already knew she was a variant who had her mind wiped. So it's not, if anything, it's complimentary. It's like, oh, I'm not just a school teacher. I'm one of the most important people of the cosmos. And if that was meant to be like, you're not going to like this because the guy we both like erased your memory. Like, cool. But they didn't say that because I agree with you. Really, that gives her a direction and a purpose. Now she has to go take over the TVA so that she can be in charge now that she knows he, she has the capacity to do that. But I also think Miss Minutes is established as now a sociopath. She like <laughs> looks on gleefully as she killed mm-hmm. all these people. I was like, cool. I, know, I mean, another interesting scene was watching her like shred up and then turn into an old 8-bit clock. Great. I, I did like how they played after the Creepazoid last episode where she basically was like, I want to get a human body so I can have sex with you, Victor Timely. Um, that in this episode, they played it as, wait, 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 I have to tell you, I have to tell you. And then she glitches out and says, you'll never be him. Which I was like, okay, that's a sick burn right before you die. Yeah. Just one last roast from the cartoon clock. Uh, the, a thing we've been dying for in the MCU. But the other thing with Renslayer, though, is like, is the point of her then she's become because when when there's the scene where we've got Docs who's trapped in the room with Bad Brad X5 and they're like, he's like, let's go do something. She's like, what are we doing? And then B-15 shows up and is like, yo, we need an army. We have to take on Renslayer. I was like, you need an army to fight this one lady who's going to show up here any minute because that's all she wants. Right. I was like, we, you don't need an army. What's happening? That didn't make much sense to me. And then they all get squeezed in the box, the tiny box machine. Fun, gross. But in that scene, you see Renslayer being like, I didn't want to do this. And now I'm a monster. So is this season about her becoming the monster? If Victor Timely is noodled mm-hmm. and again, noodle a little close to everything, everywhere, all at once. What are we doing with this? You think so? Yeah, hot dog um, finger. Maybe. Uh, I, I think it's different. They did say it in the first episode that they're like, you'll be turned into spaghetti. And that's exactly what happens to him here. Um, I also I did like that. It was very, uh, just to break, break reality for a second. Very satisfied to see Jonathan Majors turned into spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but and honestly, like we those weird choices like that. Cool. Like yeah. one of my favorite shots of the episode was when they find the hot cocoa spilled and we get this like mm-hmm. very like, you know, Lynchian or 70s cinema like uh, zoom out and revealing the characters as they step in. I was like, yes, more weird. Keep mm-hmm. it weird. You're explained. The show is just so explainy. They yeah. could explain so much less and just let us ride with Loki as he tries to figure out or doesn't care or whatever. And instead, it's just all blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And I don't necessarily want to backseat right or anything like that. But again, I think it's the narrow focus of this season. They have to concentrate on a bunch of tech language that's just really messing it up and messing with the fun. They're forgetting about the emotion of Loki. They're definitely, like you said, I think Sylvie has been completely sidelined in these first four episodes. We get some great acting work from Sofia De Martino, but yeah, she's doing the best with what she's got. Now, similarly, I do really like the idea that Mobius is avoiding everything and that Sylvie calls him on it. I like the way Owen Wilson played that scene quite a bit. Uh, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say agree. And I think I think maybe you shared this theory in the last episode that you saw online, I want to say, that he's the kid from the McDonald's. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was almost all but confirmed in that moment where he's like, let's get pie. And she's like, would you say? I was like... This is, there's a connection here that mm-hmm. they're trying to establish, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see about that. I mean, that's potentially a big emotional thing that's coming up if they survive, if everybody isn't dead. Um, I mean, on that note, and there's probably a lot of other things in the episode to talk about, but I do want to throw out a theory for the next episode because yeah. we do get Victor Timely turned into spaghetti. We do get everybody is boxed and smooshed. We do get. Loki is dead. The entire TVA is dead. I think maybe I'm being too generous here, but I think part of the wonkiness of the season might be because they're looking at it as one whole story where we set up this time glitch with Loki at the beginning of the season. I think that's the thing that's going to save him from the loom exploding. And we're next episode, either going to get a back to the future two or a groundhog day Hopefully something entirely original, but something along those lines where he has to go back through things that have happened previously and loop into them and change the circumstances. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that would get us what I'm sort of complaining about slash asking for of a show that is really riding with Loki. And especially if it's through stuff we've already seen before, he can be that character that is like, shut up. No, none of (laughs) that. And that could be fun. It's just... If I'm making this TV show, it's such a bummer to have to lay four episodes of pipe to then do the fun thing when, like, I feel like you could find a way to do either different fun things Mm -hmm. or get to the big fun thing earlier. So these, especially these two episodes, these last two, aren't such a slog through, like, a swamp of information. Well, I think it's the difference between Michael Waldron, who was the showrunner of the first season – Thinking about it episodically, I know there's a lot of arguments about how the MCU lays out stuff, but I really do think, having actually watched Loki season one multiple times at this point, that each episode works as an episode. It has its own dramatic arc to it. It has its own setting and thrust. Um, while you do have the overarching story of the season here, this is just serialized. You know, we have gotten yeah. like little things that have happened in episodes, but for the most part, 
I think they were looking at this as the classic Marvel six-hour movie, and that's pretty much it. Well, that makes sense. These last two episodes are all middle. Yeah. And so we get a bunch of middle is like fun if you're a sandwich. But the middle in in a lot of movies, there's the fun and introduction of the first act and then the big resolution and like heroic moves of the third act. In the middle, you just get a lot of stuff happening without a lot of those big moments. And that definitely feels like these episodes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm going to look through notes, see if there was anything else. I did like when Miss Minutes was showing off the... My oh. notes are on a box of life. Does Ooh. that mean something? Oh, my God. A, of Cinnamon Life, the breakfast cereal. Oh, Cinnamon Life, not that. Life, the game. No, I'm not tearing up games over here. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I interrupted you. No, that's all right. I liked when Miss Minutes was showing off the past stuff and was kind of tiny there. That was pretty yeah. cool. Um, that was, that cool. She showed off like a sick iPad. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Um, um, Obi had the line, a snake eating its own tail, which I was like, okay, that tracks. Have you side thing? I don't think this is true, but a theory I've seen popping around a little bit as well is that Obi is also a Kang variant. And, I and mean, the, the theory there goes like he built the TVA handbook he has been around forever. He's also Kang in some way. And I think that's people wish fulfillment being like, get him to be Kang going forward instead of Jonathan Majors. But I don't know, it could be as well. Uh, I mean, there, the scene in this episode supports that where they're like swapping books, getting autographs. And they're like, I love you. I love you. It's like, what's, what's the point here? And mm-hmm. Owen Wilson's like, which came first? I don't know. And I was like, yeah, we don't know either. Dude, but do something here. But the idea of Kihi Kwan being the f- big villain of the Marvel universe going forward. I don't know. Yeah. I don't Does know he have that, that I love gear? Him. He's great. Love him. Yeah. Truly love him. But is he the type who's going to be a menacing Thanos level villain for the next like four years? I don't know. No. Um, let's see. I, th- I actually think we pretty much covered everything that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I will say I sort of just shouted all the things I had to say in a random order uh, throughout this <laughs> podcast. Oh, I, I, I was very disappointed by the telephone ring next to the elevator was OB being like, where are you guys? Like, which I, know. I, yeah. I thought it was going to be something important. Right. It's not. I feel like they were trying to underplay that because they played it so big. And that was probably the thing that made them laugh in the writer's room. But it just didn't work. Well, maybe, but I also think comedy in this show is a little broken because the moments that they think are funny are actually the more interesting character moments. And the more interesting character moments are the things that I'm like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Because the the Coco scene is played for comedy. They have like the old timey harpsichord music underneath. I was like, what is this, a joke? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, this is the interesting stuff. We're showing more of what Victor Timely is like an innocent kid who just chanced into these situations who is like is an eccentric genius we think and in, instead it's just like treated as like a little bit that ends with like a guy die um, and it's a shame because this show should be funny it should be funny and weird first i think that's what loki would be good at yeah uh victor sticking his head in the scanner that was anticlimactic as well 
again, I think that's that's what they were like. This is funny, and I was like, it is funny that the machine that you're tra- relying the entire story relies on is a nonsense machine mm-hmm. <laughs> that he sticks his head in, but. Again, I just feel like it wasn't quite – it was played for serious for like, look, this is the cool machine we built. And I was like, that's not a cool machine. (laughs) Why would you ever make it like that? Yeah. uh, Like you're saying, it's missing something. And the other thing – this is not necessarily a theory exactly, but a weird detail that I feel like they're not owning is they know when you prune things now, you send them to the end of time. So I don't know why we're not – why that's still being played like a big deal. Like Brad comes in and prunes Renslayer. And it's like, you just sent her another place. She could just get back here immediately. We, we know that. Well, and they, they're still playing it like, wow, can you believe that character died? I was like, we know she's not dead. None of these people are dead. They're going to be yeah. back any minute now. Yeah. If you're squeezed in a box, maybe you're dead. Yes. A dox box. That's what happens. Oh, the dox box. That's what uh, getting doxed feels like, squeezing mm-hmm. in a tiny box. You don't have to tell me. Why don't we turn to <laughs> our vision board where we look ahead at the next episode? I've already thrown out at least that what I want to see is like a Back to the Future 2. I would rather see a Back to the Future 2 where they're just looping back to it, which they kind of already did in this episode, but on a bigger scale, versus a Groundhog Day, which has been done to death at this point yeah. in time travel series. Uh, agreed. And that makes more sense given what's happened. I think the idea being if it's a groundhog's day, it loops back and he has to like unmess up all the bad things that happen in this episode. Yeah. So groundhog day would be like repeated time loop. And I feel no, like, yes, yes. I feel like we've already gotten hints of that. I think the dropped hot cocoa is a big indicator. You always get those indicators at the first time loop where it's like, whoops, I dropped this thing. Oh, there's that guy over there so that you can go back to them and then go through them faster each time. So I, that's what part of what it indicates to me that we're going to get a time loop here, but I don't think I don't Honestly, want a groundhog when, day because that feels non original, but I do think back to the future too is what they kind of already did with the two Lokis. So we'll see. The more you say it, I feel like the more it's going to be a groundhog day. Yeah, you made that happen. Oh, man. You you Man. said it too many times. <laughs> I'm in my. I'm stuck in my old loop of saying Groundhog Day. What about you, Justin? What do you want to see? Uh, I mean, it's a uh, it's a tough thing to say what I want to see. <laughs> Not this episode. Literally any other TV show. Yeah, I, I guess what I want is like just a, a summing up everything I've said. I want to like f- cut out so much of the stuff that's happening and focus in on the characters in a like tight, like I would be down with them, like almost a bottle episode of all of our favorite characters stuck somewhere at the end of time in the real boiler room situation where they have to figure it out. Maybe they talk, get back into their lives, a flashback episode, anything that where we get to just see all these people who we like, I, we like these characters, Mobius, uh, Sylvie, Loki, let's get into their headspace and uh, talk about the things that they want and try to get them on a path that would be interesting in a resolution. Like, who, who are they even fighting against going forward? Mm. Like, there's no, there's no thing now. Like, yeah. the, the loom blew up. Is it about somehow fixing the loom? That's what I, I don't need them to go and be like, all right, we did it. We made the circles in the loom a little bit wider. 
Now they can time can go. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure because it, then they need to have a philosophical discussion about whether they should prune timelines or not. So the only way this ends at the end of the season in any reasonable way is they're like, here's what the TVA is now. It's like, but, all right. But also, I, I just like not to get back into it, but like it gives me such a headache to be like, we know multiversity is the thing. We right. had we got the Doctor Strange. So like all this talk about like we have to make sure there's a timeline. I'm like, we know there's going to be multiple timelines. That's the future. Even if you're not a Marvel head, you know that that's what's going on yeah. because of all the movies leading up to it, to where we are now. So it's like all of this is a little bit moot unless you're taking us into a more specific Loki story. Because if we're just watching this to be like, oh, I guess it ended up being multiple branches that we can jump into with different characters, potentially the X-Men. Bye. I this is a much bigger thing and I, I don't know anything about this, but I cannot imagine that when they were finishing up season one, that this is what they intended even remotely. Because I clearly like they left it at a place with like, here we go. Here's the multiverse. It's branching wildly out of control. Loki comes back. Mobius doesn't recognize him. Clearly, they're in an alternate timeline where now Kang rules the TVA. And this season was like, no, none of that. None, absolutely none of that. And that feels even more insane in a time when it's like, all right, Marvel is needs a win. We're going to come out and we're going to really tell the stories we want to tell. And instead, it feels like this is all homework. This show is all homework for something else. I'm like, you need wins, not homework. You need to go hang out outside the 7-Eleven and party, Marvel. Not yeah, uh, I 100% agree. And I think what they did at the end of the last season was they gave them a gift. They were like, now's the time to go hog wild. The whole multiverse is in front of you. You have Loki there. We've already shown you multiple Lokis. What else can you do with that? And their answer was hang out in the pie room. And we got a loom that we're not going to explain. And we're going to do the same plan twice. And that's yeah. very frustrating. It feels to me like an even more insular thing than what I've complained about incessantly with Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. where like, you have the promise of multiverse of madness. And instead they're like, what if one dimension had pizza balls? What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> Use your imagine. Like you keep coming back to everything everywhere all at once. And that is a movie that's like, the multiverse is a multiverse. It's not, it's not just it's one. Everything. Yeah, it's everything. So you have everything. Make choices, but make big choices and go with them. It was just crazy. Marvel, famously called, calling themselves the house of ideas, is dooming themselves from just a severe lack of imagination. Yeah. And there's a million other things that you could say. But it really boils down to like, hey, why isn't this more interesting than it is than it is than what you're yeah. telling us? And, and I do want to say on the positive end, I know I said we were going to be positive at the beginning and that we were not very positive. The craft is still mostly good here. Like production yes. design is gorgeous. The acting is very good, given what they're given. I do have problems with some of the direction, um, but it's it's a good looking show. And I think that's part of where. Always this frustration comes from is we love Marvel. We want Marvel to be good. We want Marvel to be better. But this is really an erupt, man. Uh, and I don't know what to do about it. 
who will. Yeah, and like like we're saying, there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of elements on the table here that they could really pull out this season. And just mm-hmm. we're stuck in the middle of the middle, and that's not the most fun place. But it's just hard when we're not getting even the signal. Like, because I'm much more positive when I'm like, oh, I see what the path here is. It's just we're not there yet. Love that. Mm-hmm. But instead, I'm like, I'm lost in this show and not for a lack of understanding it. It's just the show isn't giving me anything to hold on to that I'm like, oh, that's dope. Yeah. Oh, well, well, two episodes to go. In the meantime, if you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about Loki, despite what this podcast might have implied. Would love to. Yeah. Apple, Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, ComicBookClubLive.com. For this podcast and many more, until next time, stay marvelous. Uh, I got noodles. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park